Oh yeah, Saturday morning coffee. You are listening to the Gird Up Podcast. The call to gird up is an ancient way of telling a man to prepare himself for hard work or a battle ahead. Our work is to reclaim masculinity in the modern world. Here, you will find a community of believers working hard to become the men that God has created us to be. We're glad you've joined us today. Now it's time to roll up your sleeves to gird up and join us on this road towards Christian manhood. May God bless your time with us. Here we go. All right, gentlemen. First of all, happy weekend. Glad it's a weekend finally. It was a little bit of a long week. I went on a caffeine fast, if you will. Basically, I stopped drinking coffee and taking pre-workout for a week, and my first three days were awful. It was terrible. I, I didn't realize just how much caffeine I was consuming. It was an unhealthy level of caffeine. And make a long story short, I was having like heart palpitations and and uh, wasn't sleeping well. And I was like, you know what? I'm drinking a lot of coffee, and I'm taking pre-workout every day. I should probably cut back on my caffeine intake. And I kept saying that to myself and never actually did it. So then I finally cut back on the caffeine and went from, honestly, it was like 800 milligrams of caffeine a day down to zero. And those first three days were rough, man. But now I feel so much better all the time. I feel so much better all the time a week later now that I don't have caffeine in my system at all. And uh, today I, I considered making a cup of coffee <laughs> and I was just like, man, I was so miserable for so long. Like I just have no desire to go back there. Anyway, that has nothing to do with our podcast today. I'm just glad it's the weekend. Um, it was a good chance to kick back and relax a little bit. Uh, this podcast is coming out a little later than normal. Um, had an awesome opportunity to, to, to get together with a couple of brothers this morning and uh, awesome opportunity to coach up some fifth graders in football this afternoon. So we're going to get this thing out here. I guess it's more of a Sunday morning podcast now than a Saturday morning. And this one's probably going to be a little bit longer than 15 minutes as well. So just so you're prepared for that, this one's going to be a little bit longer. Um, but it has come to my attention. It's come to my attention that there are some people um, fairly... Uh, actually, it's not just some people. There's a, there's a fair number of people in the world right now, especially the Christian world, especially the conservative Christian world, who think that the pursuit that we're going after right now, so this idea of pursuing Christian manhood, is either misguided or, uh, I'm trying, trying to think of a good word, it's either misguided or it's just plain foolish um, or it misses the point um, or you're failing to trust your Heavenly Father or that we, we aren't taking our Christianity seriously because we're pursuing something human if that makes sense. Um, well, it doesn't make sense, first of all. Let's establish that. It does not, the claims that this is a waste of our time do not make sense. This is a godly pursuit and it's something we should be pursuing, and, and I aim to lay that out for you in this particular episode of this podcast. Um, but I, got, I actually have gotten some backlash and people that really detest um, what I am doing and really detest what, what people are doing in general um, to help other men grow into godly men, grow into great men. Um, and uh, I see where they're coming from, first of all, because in the secular world, there is a men's movement going on, kind of parallel to the Christian manhood movement, whatever you want to call it, revival, I don't know what to call it. But there is a secular movement right now, which is calling men 
to be what the world would consider classical men. And that's not always a good thing. And and we see some of that it like gets wrapped up into the toxic masculinity thing. Um, even though it's really not toxic at all. It's actually most of it is good stuff. Um, and it also it also kind of gives men a foundation on which to build and they have a clear picture then of what they want to be. But it misses the point. It misses the point because it doesn't go down to the core. It doesn't go down to the core of our existence, the true spring, the true spring of life um, that we know as Christians is our Heavenly Father. Um, and so I will, I will readily admit that this is pretty scripted out because I want to be really clear on what I'm saying. Um, but uh, we're going to dig into that today. Really, what does it like what is this pursuit of masculinity and defining it and laying it out and so that everybody understands really what we're doing here. And if we really understand what we're doing here, I have a difficult time imagining that someone would um, disagree with us or tell us that it's not um, a positive pursuit. So here we go. When God created man, man was created in perf- was created perfect um, in the image of God. The creator formed, begot, right? The created, us, we are the created, so he begot the created of himself. This state of being of the image of God, in the image of God, created by God of himself, is godliness. Perfect, holy godliness. And since there was no evil and no wickedness, and since there was no danger, and therefore no work, in the Garden of Eden, there was godliness, right? Work, at its core is the human attempt to keep the wolves away, right? So hunger is a wolf. It threatens our humanity. Injury and illness, they are wolves, right? Homelessness, exposure, they are wolves. Those are our basic needs, right? We need, a, we need shelter. Um, we need to hide from exposure, essentially. Injury and illness threaten our lives, and we have hunger, right? Those are our basic needs that need to be met. Those wolves are constantly chasing after us. And I love that image of wolves. Uh, lions are also a great image, but in especially in North America, wolves are a little bit more of a real reality. Um, so I love that idea of wolves. And and if you've ever studied uh, the way wolves hunt, or if you've ever read anything by Jack London that talks about wolves, they just kind of hang there, right? And they wait for their opportunity to strike. They're just kind of there. And they will go for days and days and days without food, in order to have a successful hunt. They will not turn away from the trail of game. They will keep going, they will keep going, and keep going. They will pursue us. And that's really what those wolves are. Human work is the process of keeping the wolves away. None of these wolves existed in the garden, but at the moment that Adam and Eve stepped out of the garden, the race was on and has not stopped. Those wolves have been chasing and pursuing every one of us since the day Adam and Eve sinned and were forced out of the garden. And this is Adam's responsibility. In Genesis 3, God curses the ground and tells Adam that he will eat through painful toil and by the seed of his or by sorry, by the sweat of his brow. Adam will only be able to, to eat by the, the painful toil and by the sweat of his brow. In that moment after the fall, Adam and Eve have lost their godliness. They were no longer like God because in the garden, their relationship was perfect. 
and therefore beyond our sinful comprehension. And that's something we really need to understand is that we cannot understand and comprehend what Adam and Eve were truly created for and what that perfect relationship is like and what we're really pursuing as men and women of God is that perfect relationship. It's something that's beyond what we can grasp. And therefore also biblical manhood, which is planted firmly in that relationship, is something beyond what we can comprehend or grasp because it is perfect. We've lost something. They've lost something. Right? Adam and Eve have lost something that we can never, ever, ever understand. We get glimpses of it, and by God's grace, we get to see more glimpses of it than, uh, than not. Right? Um, but we will never know on earth what this perfect relationship was like. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, A cord of three strands is not easily broken. And it is true. When two people, whether it's two men, two women, or a couple, right, men and, man and woman together, when they passionately love God and love each other, that relationship is very difficult to break, but it can be broken. And that's the devil's aim. That's the devil's scheme is to break that relationship. In the garden, however, a cord of three strands would never have been broken. That cord of three strands was perfect. That cord of three strands could not be broken. When it happened to Adam and Eve, that was the first time that cord of three strands was broken. Because we were created in God's image, you and I, as children of the Heavenly Father, as created beings, we were created in God's image and have been corrupted from the moment we were conceived. We really can't state exactly what we were meant to be. We really can't truly define or or. We don't not understand what we were meant to be because it is beyond us. It is something we will never understand or comprehend on this side of heaven. We can look to Jesus, the ultimate and perfect example of manhood, but he is perfect. We are not perfect, and we can't, un- we can't attain perfection either. Um, he was true man. Right, He was a man just like we are, but he was also God. He is of a different substance than us. We are not of the same substance as Jesus, and therefore, no matter how hard we try, we cannot be like Jesus, truly. We cannot be the perfect man like Jesus was. So we can sit around for hours and days. We can sit around for the rest of our lives and argue about semantics and strategies and vocabulary and doctrine. But what it really comes down to is this. Men and women are different. They correspond to one another. And they, with the Lord, paint a picture of completion beyond any other earthly thing. They are a trinity, a cord of three strands. And each man and woman must play their part in this cord of three strands. The woman has been blessed with the responsibility of bearing and nurturing children, something a man cannot do. No matter how hard he tries, he cannot bear children. And he will never, um, well, I shouldn't say never. Most men will never be able to nurture the way a woman can. I would argue no men can. Um, There are some very wonderful, tender, loving men in this world and that opens up a, a different conversation about, about gender and gender, gender stereotyping. But they are a rarity. They are not the norm. And we need to understand that that is true. Um, men cannot do what women can do. That's why men and women correspond to each other. 
she completes him by joining with him to create more life and more of him, right? We cannot create more human beings if we do not have women. Men carry tremendous life in us, right? Uh, women only carry a certain number of eggs. There's only a certain amount of life that they can create. Men create millions and millions and millions of potential new life forms. Every, I mean, every guy has millions of offspring inside of him, millions of potential offspring inside of him that are continually, re, like, uh, it's, it's a renewable resource, right? But he is incomplete without the woman, without the, without the ability to reproduce, without the ability to nurture um, a young child the way a woman can. Man is accountable to God for all of this, right? He will be held responsible on the last day. That is made clear in Scripture. He must do what is right. He must step in and he must play his role to protect his family, preside over it, and provide for it. I stole that from Ryan Mickler, but I can't find anywhere a better representation of what God has called men to do, particularly in the curse that followed the fall into sin, to protect, provide, and preside. How do we do that? It's not defined in Scripture. But God did tell Cain, before Cain killed Abel, that if you do what is right, you will be accepted. So then, we must discover what is the right thing that a man must do. So we scour the pages of Scripture, we closely examine the word of the Lord, and we imitate Jesus as best we can. The author and perfecter of our faith, we imitate him. We look to the men around us, gifts of God, for guidance, admonishment, encouragement, and strength, because, as Proverbs says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And we pray continually over our families, over our lives, for forgiveness, for mercy, for the protection and provision of each of our domains, um, for wisdom and guidance as we walk in the way, for paths of righteousness to be illuminated so that we may walk in them. And we pray that the Lord shows us what he wants us to be as men because we do not know. Only in this process... In this process of study of God's word and conversation with God, can we find true manhood? Only there can we find a cord of three strands that will not be broken. And only here can we become the men that God has created us to be. And I cannot say that I have yet taken hold of it. But throwing off the sin that encumbers and the snags and entangle me and setting my eyes on Jesus, I press toward the goal to which I have been called as a man. Just like Paul said. And as I press on, my effort is not turned towards uh, what might make me a man. This is the way that the world pursues manhood, right? Trying to find and do things that will make me a man. Instead of trying to do things that will make me a man, I pursue the characteristics, traits, and skills that I will need to to fulfill my God-given calling as a man. That call to protect, preside, and provide for my family. We develop virtues which will prove necessary in a protection of, provision over, and providing for my domain or my territory or whatever you want to call it. I don't like saying family because my domain is much larger than my family, particularly as a teacher and as a cult worker. It's my church. It's my family. It's my extended family. Um, It's my... It's my, uh, like the kids I coach, like there's my roommate, all of that, right? It's all part of my domain and it's all something I need to preside over. So I develop uh, virtues which will help me do that. 
For example, I develop physical strength and stamina so that I can protect my family in crisis situations, right? And so that I can stay healthy and go to work each day. If I'm sick constantly or if I'm uh, in terrible physical condition, I cannot be there every day to provide for my family. So I take care of my body so that I can do those things. I develop discipline so that my wife and my children can enjoy a stable and consistent home and so that I can excel in providing for them, right? I'm not going to move up in the corporate world. I'm not going to move up in my job if I'm not disciplined. I'm not very employable if I'm not disciplined and it wreaks chaos and havoc on my family. I develop grit, courage, and perseverance, so I'm not going to collapse like a stinking rag doll when hard times hit, right? Instead of collapsing, instead of falling apart when tough times come, when adversity strikes, when calamity strikes, when hardship hits, I become the leader that my family needs. I continue to be the leader that my family needs because I've developed grit and, and courage and perseverance. It's not about finding out or but it's not about going out and searching and hunting for my manhood and then claiming it and, and making it my own, right? That's it's not what it is. It's about understanding my place in the created order, mastering my sinful flesh so that I can fulfill my calling as a man of God. The Lord has clearly given me a calling and he's clearly created men and women different and he's clearly given us all a place in the world. And if I fail to recognize this, I fail to pursue the things that will make me the man that God created me to be. And this is surely something that I will fail at because I am not perfect. Because I am not a perfect Adam. Because I have been sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Because I am completely corrupted and rotten to my core. And because I cannot do the good I want to do but keep doing the evil I do not want to do. I am going to fail. I'm not going to be able to live out my calling as a man of God truly and perfectly. But that does not mean that I do not pursue it. Because when men vacate their roles as men, no one benefits. When men vacate their roles as men, the world gets worse. When men vacate their roles as men, there's no one there to lead and provide and protect And that is where the devil has a field day. It is vital that we act like men. It is vital that we pursue biblical manhood and scriptural manhood and godly manhood so that we can raise up another generation of Christians. God's word is our great heritage. It will be ours forever. To spread its light from age to age will be our chief endeavor. Through life it guides our way. In death it is our stay. Lord, grant while worlds endure, we keep its teachings pure throughout all generations. And we cannot do that if we do not act like men. I think now would be an excellent time to remind us all of what Rudyard Kipling said. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. If you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too. If you can dream and not make dreams your master, if you can think and not make thoughts your aim, if you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat these two imposters just the same, if you can wait and not be tired by waiting or being lied about, don't deal in lies, or being hated, don't give way to hating, and yet don't look too good or talk too wise. If you can bear to hear the words you've spoken, twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools, and see the things you gave your life to broken and stoop and build them up with worn out tools. 
if you can make one heap of all your winnings and risk it on one turn of pitch and toss and lose and start again at your beginnings and never breathe a word about your loss. If you can force your heart and nerve and sinew to serve their turn long after they are gone and so hold on when there is nothing in you except the will which says to them, go on. If you can walk with crowds and keep your virtue or talk with kings nor lose the common touch. If neither foe nor loving friend can hurt you, if all men count with you but none too much, if you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, the earth is yours and everything that's in it. And what is more, you'll be a man, my son. It is my calling as a man to be the protector of my family and my domain, to provide for my family and my domain, and to preside over my family and my domain. And it's not the pursuit of those things that makes me a man. It is my place in the created order that makes me a man. And therefore, as a man of God who wants to pursue my heavenly father and do good in the world, I will pursue characteristics, traits, virtues, and actions that betray my identity as a man of God. So go out, be men. Don't let the world define masculinity for you. Don't let the world dictate to you what you ought to be. But lean into your Heavenly Father. Understand what He has called you to do and understand what He has created you to be. And go out and pursue it. Trusting that even when you fail, your Heavenly Father has your back. He will walk behind you and tell you the way and lead you to walk in it. He has prepared paths of righteousness for you to walk He will lead you, he will guide you, and he has already forgiven you for any sin you commit along the way. He has called you heavenward, he has called you home, and he will faithfully lead you there as you lead your family and friends for whom you are accountable. God's blessing. Take this journey we travel seriously and go out and be the men that God created you to be. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Gird Up Podcast. If you like what you're hearing on our podcast, make sure you're sharing it with friends and family, men in your life who you think need to hear our message. You can find us on social media, on Facebook under the Gird Up Podcast, and there's a Gird Up community as well there where you can interact with other men on the journey toward Christian manhood. You can find us on Instagram as girdup underscore like underscore a underscore man. If you'd like to help us bring our message to more men just like you all around the world, you can hit up our Patreon account. Type in www.patreon.com forward slash girdup. And finally, please leave a five-star rating or review on whatever platform you use to listen to our podcast, whether it's iTunes or Spotify. What that does is it helps us get more attention in the podcast world and bring more men to our message. Thank you again for listening to our podcast. Thank you for all the ways you support us and help spread the word. Until next time, go gird up and be the man that God created you to be.